Welcome back to Dating Games, the modern relationships podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Temps, and I want to give a quick shout out to our premium service on Apple Podcasts, which I think I've called Full Access. And basically, that gets you ad-free episodes, and the episodes are extended in length. You get a debrief with the guest after every episode. Why are you nodding along like you don't know all of this? <laughs> I don't publish to Apple anymore. I'm a, I'm a Patreon-only girl. I'm like, oh, this is fascinating. You've been on this show before. You know how it works. Anyway, you get to hear wonderful voices like that of our guest. And a lot of the time, there's some really fun, like, extra stories shared there. A lot of the time, there's secrets of mine that I don't want to be fully out, out in the public. And yeah, it's a, it's a good, fun time. So if you don't have full access... You're only getting half the story. And if you don't know what that's a quote from, I can't help you. This week's episode is a special one. Wonderful returning guest is host of a single serving podcast and literally wrote the book on singledom. A single revolution, don't look for a match, light one. Which I remember when I first heard that title, I was like, oh, that's kind of cute and sassy. And now I've got to know you better. And I'm like, oh, no, that's a war cry. I do mean this literally. Yeah, I did. I didn't realize at first you were the match. So here, here you are, flaming in for our Christmas special, which I'm calling "Happy and Single." So please welcome the gem that is Shani Silver. Thank you very much. That's probably my favorite intro anyone's ever done of me. I appreciate that. Well, I guess it was the most unhinged. It just was the most. You'd be surprised how often like people describe my work, and there's always just some some aspect of it that is not spot on. That is not correct that is still adhering to societal narratives about singlehood that I actually don't promote. So I feel like you get what I do. So it's nice to talk to somebody who actually does get it and likes it. And I don't feel like I have to explain myself or qualify anything. You know what I mean? It's just like, nope, that's what I mean. I'm glad. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. But no, I can imagine you get it a lot where people are like, and she's single and she doesn't hate it. Here to explain that one to us, it's Shaney Silver. Or they just like assume that I'm an advocate for people staying single, which I never am, or that I think that we should all marry ourselves, which I think is ridiculous. I don't know why it's such a hard concept to enjoy and cherish and value a happy singlehood for however long you happen to have it. And then when you are in a relationship, that will change and you will not be single anymore. It's just, it's so simple to me, but it seems like it's a very hard thing for people to grasp. And I think that speaks to how terribly we think about and treat single people in our society because we can't fathom a world where they are happy and not constantly, frantically, feverishly searching for someone. Yeah. You know, it's really easy. I will happily speak from my experience on this to soak a lot of that up. I've told you off air that I'm in a kind of new realm now where I'm happier being single than ever. And I thought I was chill with it before. But there was still a lot of that kind of stuff that you can't help but soak up. There can still be that sort of gnawing in you of, oh, I'm taking a break from it, you know, but not for too long. There can be that paranoia that sets in of like, all the fishes will be gone. Not only does that not make sense, I love that you talk a lot lately about how none of it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason you're a fun guest to have on this show, because we, we're here, we have our rules of the game every week, which are meant to like, be interesting, but ultimately not be definitive and often be silly, right? They're an excuse to rant as much as they're an excuse to give advice. And, you know, the truth of it is, it is a lot of chance and it's a lot of trauma dating, you know, whether that's big capital T trauma or whether that's just 
the ongoing vulnerability and putting yourself out there and people being rude or people just being confusing. And that can be a stressful. Or people being non-existent and you're just existing in a bucket of absolutely nothing is so frustrating and so oh, just, I think we forget that dating is optional. It is not required of single people to find partnership. And that is a concept that takes brains a long time to wrap their arms around. It's not required. And we have convinced, if not brainwashed, generations of people to think that the way that you find a partner is dating. When by and large, if you take stock of the couples in your life that you know that you're related to, dating isn't how they met. They didn't meet because they were hunting for each other. They met because life made sure they did. And letting go and accepting that this stuff is up to fate, chance, timing, the universe, God, if you want to do that. Like, it's just not up to us. And that's such an unsettling feeling because we want something so badly because we've been taught to that we think we have to do something to make it happen. But love and coming together with people you're meant to be with, that isn't something that you can drive. Like, we're not in charge here. And letting go and accepting that you can live your life miserably single or happily single. Either way, they're going to show up when they show up. It's, it's up to you how you live in the meantime. And you really see this mentality play out on this podcast, right? Like this space is such an example of that where so often I have guests on the show where a lot of the time they're in a relationship now. And when I ask them to kind of think back about their dating life, they're like, oh, well, I don't really think I ever did date or like maybe I only have had like one or two dates in my life. And obviously, there's a part of me as a producer of the show that's a bit like, well, this is a dating podcast, so please come up with something to tell the listeners. <laughs> but also, you know, that is the truth of it. Like a lot of the time, it is something that, that people sidestep. And by contrast, this idea of like really hunting, a lot of the time yields some icky results because I, you know, I'm basing this on social media, but I've definitely seen people that on Twitter, for whatever reason, that have made like singledom and like, why can't I find, I mean, it is, I, I don't know why, but it's a lot of the gays where they're making like, I can't find a man, their kind of brand. And then they do. And then that becomes the new social media brand. Then it's like, now I need to constantly spam you with our relationship. I can't believe it. And if I don't photograph it 24 seven, maybe it doesn't exist. That's what everyone always wants to know about me. What am I going to do when I meet someone? Like, what's going to happen to my career when I meet someone? And they have a really hard time with me saying, nothing. I'm going to keep doing my job. Like, it, there's, it's the wildest thing. It's, it's one of the first questions that people ask me. I always wonder what they're waiting for. Are they waiting for me to say, oh, my God, I don't know. I, I guess I won't have a job anymore. I guess everything about me will be a lie because I'll be in love. And I can't possibly speak to singlehood positively when I'm in love. It's just, it's so wild, like the absolutes that people look for in dating and the absolutes people look for in singlehood. And we cling to them so, so desperately. And I think that's why I talk so much about changing the narrative around singlehood, because we don't have to cling to anything. We really don't. These adherences to rules and convention, and you have to do it this way, and you, you have to be looking and you have whatever. I think all of it stems from hating being single, from being ashamed to be single, from feeling lack when you're single. All of these things that are just huge falsehoods about time spent alone are helping us cling to bullshit. And I don't like that because, first of all, it just, 
isn't fun. It feels bad and it's not good for your mental health. It's not good for anything. But also, I don't like that there's an entire industry making a lot of money off of vulnerability that they're creating, that they're making worse. I think it's ridiculous and I see it. And I sometimes feel like I'm going a bit like I'm, I feel like it's detrimental to my mental health to try to tell people they're making money off of your misery and they're adding to that misery too. And it's like, I wish the world would believe me. And instead, all they want is more dating advice and more and more and more and more dating advice. And I know so many people who are dating coaches of every gender and every orientation because they give dating advice because they say, if you do this, this will happen or try it this way. Or what about this way? Or what about this way? What about this way that you've never heard of before? What about this? You haven't thought about this. It's just dating advice over and over and over again on a treadmill. And everyone wants to cling to that. And I'm saying you can be so happy without it and still find someone without it. And it doesn't seem to matter. Hmm. And actually, of all the dating professionals that I've interviewed, only one of them has ever done their job whilst being single. You know, so it goes like right to the top of who are the the so-called experts, where there's that kind of binary thinking of like, well, if that's the binary, then that means you only need to have one relationship that you are currently in to therefore be called an expert. Mm -hmm. And that takes out, you know, how many of those relationships aren't great? How many of our relationships in general do you look back on when you're out of them and you're like, eek, I did not know what I was doing. And you know, that's kind of actually the bar is like, we are raised to hope that we can figure it out just about to make something work one time in our life. How can you be an expert at fate? How can you be an expert at literally being in the place and time where you meet someone that you're going to fall in love with? How can you be an expert in telling someone where to physically be so that they meet another human being? It's baffling to me. It's just, it's such It's so strange. See, you don't understand that. You don't understand why people don't understand your career. Because when you were talking about that at the start, I thought like, it's really simple. Because you can be happy in a relationship. You can also be happy when you're not in one. That's all it is. And I see so many parallels to what you're describing of. There's that, but there's also like, you know, you can be happy when you're successful. Why not also work at your happiness before then? You know, that it doesn't really work that you get to a magic num- amount of money and then you're like, okay, well, now now my life's made. Now I don't have any worries anymore. It's like, no, no, happiness is an ongoing thing that we have to work out like a muscle or like the exploitation of, you know, single people of like, you need to sign up for this premium version of this app because that will solve your problems. Well, we see the same parallels in like, oh, you can be happy with your body, but only when you've gone on this diet and had this, you know, teeth whitening procedure, and, you know, put this glowy thing from the internet in your mouth, and all these things. It's like, that's really what it's about. Can we not just live and have a bit of joy on the journey? Because I don't believe in perfection anyway. Well, that's exactly it. We're all allowed to just live. And the things that are meant to be in our lives will be there. The things that need to leave will when it's time for them to leave. We're not only allowed to just live, I think it's necessary. But it's definitely not as juicy to tell someone you can just live and you can just trust that that life will continue to happen and beautiful things will happen and difficult things will happen. A full spectrum of things will happen. A full range of emotions will happen. Everything will continue to happen forever and ever. You don't have to grip on to this one area. Dating and finding someone so tight 
It's not as juicy. It's not as fun to sit and gossip about over brunch. It doesn't make for a good reality show. It doesn't, but it does make for better mental health around singlehood and dating. And so I keep doing what I'm doing with my 11,000 followers and I don't <laughs> <fucking> care. <laughs> no, but you know what? You're actually delivering on it. And that's what the, the follower metric doesn't do because, you know, how often do we follow versus unfollow people? You know, it's not, it's not perfect customer service where we're like, okay, well, I've been following your account, getting dating advice for a year. It hasn't worked out for me, unfollow. You know, because it's, it's not even the, it's the solution. It's the perception of the solution of I should be constantly on the lookout. And, you know, I, I know that's something you talk about in terms of like couple superiority. And I feel like, you know, this is such a good time of year to talk about it we, because we've got the index of cuffing season. And then we've also got, I know it's so silly, but also I do believe it's a real thing. I interviewed someone from OkCupid and they fully like researched when it was going to start this year because <laughs> they had to it's yeah, no, 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 for real, because they had to plan out, because he was telling me off air, they had to plan out increasing their server capacity in anticipation for a bump in traffic. So it's oh, it's that makes real. Me so sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes me very sad. And so you've that got cuffing season and then you've also got Christmas or just the festive season in, in general seems to kind of be for couples. It is overtly <laughs> for couples. Matching pajamas are sold as sets. Like, it's not, you know what I mean? It's overtly for couples. Come on now. It's just so sad. No one wants to be alone on Christmas. Well, what I mean is, I think sometimes it's like hidden behind the idea of family, but that family always has to center around a couple, right? Absolutely. You cannot have two friends who decided to create a child together and raise a child together. That's that's not the same thing. It always has to be about love. Like, the, the pervasiveness of, of love is a theme throughout anything that's joyous and the sad narrative for anybody who lacks love around something that's joyous. So therefore their experience of that joy is lesser. It's pretty, pretty overt to me. Yeah. So please continue. I'm reminded of talking to my mate Nina about this on more than one occasion where we've kind of been in this time of year where you're coming up to Christmas and dealing with a lot of stress of that. And sometimes that stress is family related. And you think weight is the only way to have a different kind of Christmas, to get married off. That's our one option. Get married off into somebody else's family. You know, it's it's my family or someone else's. They're my options because it would be sad and pathetic if I had a Christmas on my own. If you've never done it, I strongly suggest experiencing Christmas on your own. And if that is too much to handle, I would say just do Christmas Eve alone. My solo Christmas Eve is one of my favorite things in the world. I don't get to do it this year because I'm going to be visiting friends over Christmas. So I'm having my solo Christmas Eve on the winter solstice instead a few days prior because it means that much to me. It's so delightful and fun and I really enjoy myself. And the hidden perceived doom and sadness of a holiday spent alone is I think what keeps people chasing down a holiday spent with someone else because they believe the fear mongering around being on your own at the holidays or all alone at Christmas, like it's really not what has been sold to us. It really, really isn't. It's absolutely lovely. If you take the time to ask yourself, what do I love about this holiday? What do I want to enjoy about this holiday? Better still, what do I not want to do on this holiday that I've always been obligated to do? And you give yourself the Christmas or the Hanukkah or the New Year's Eve that you yourself would most enjoy 
And we've also been taught to think that that's super selfish, but like when no one else is around, it ain't selfish. It's just you with a customized holiday and it's beautiful. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah. I love that. We're not even going to get into it on this podcast because it's more something for my mental health one, but I hate New Year's. It's my worst time of year and I buy loads of snacks and I do my own little self-quarantine and I just get in a bunker and sit it out unless I'm working. If I can find an excuse to be, you know, out in the world working and getting paid, then everyone else can have their New Year's and I'm just going to work. That's like, that's my new ideal. But if if not that, then I just bunker in. And, you know, that's the way for me. But I think it's, you know, it's interesting around Christmas because I find a lot of joy in my family Christmas, as well as, you know, understandably a lot of stress at times. And yet, if you look at like Christmas Day, you know, a lot of this stuff doesn't add up, right? Because my Christmas Day with my parents is like, we get up fairly early. We open some presents. We, we generally have our Christmas meal at lunch. We open the rest of our presents and that's it. Like our Christmas day is is quite compact in that way. And then we kind of sit around until like Doctor Who's on or something we can, you know, agree to watch. And other than that, we just watch our own things or we retreat back to our rooms because maybe we're up late the night before or whatever. We eat whatever is edible from our Christmas presents and, you know, just kind of gorge out and chill. So this year, what I'm potentially going to be doing is a friend of mine is having her own kind of independent person Christmas where her and three of her mates are booking a hotel and they're going to have a Christmas day together and just watch TV and wear all their coziest clothes and open gifts together for differing reasons, right? That each of them is like, that's my preference. So in the afternoon, my plan is to just go and chill with them, just go visit them and be like, yeah, let's go visit this other Christmas because I would have only been sat at home in the afternoon anyway. And it's fun and it's different. And I love the family Christmas, but also this will be something that I distinctly remember as that Christmas. Bring chocolate. They'll appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, the supplies might be running low. <laughs> By the time the four of them have been in front of a TV for that long. That so yeah. glorious. I want to be invited. I just love that when people just do their own thing with it. And I think I'm aware that my attraction to it is partly the bias of it's novel because it's unusual prove it otherwise to yourself this year when you go visit your friends just see how lovely it is like i think because it only happens once a year we're scared to do it differently because mm-hmm. what if we screw it up what if we have a bad christmas because we did it wrong and just completely ignoring how fast it comes around again or how you know and also like the idea of wrong when it's such a commercialized thing of like 
depending on your level of Christianity, it's already gone wrong. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I like, think, we, um, we will go to church some of the Christmases, and other ones we won't. That's the level we're at. I've never been to church on Christmas as I am Jewish. Christmas for me is basically just a very big sparkly tree in my living room and lots of movies and oh, cooking. Talk and... to me about the tree. So, Shady, queen of, queen of having meaning in every item. Absolutely. Well, the tree is very, very significant for me because she, I kind of like mark life stages with my Christmas trees mm-hmm. because I used to have a very tiny tree. I just wrote an essay about this this morning, actually. It's so ironic. I used to have a very tiny tree because part of it was the Jewish thing. And it was like, I wasn't quite sure that I was allowed. And then I realized you're 33. You can do whatever you want. So I just used to have a tiny one because I was like, I don't deserve a real tree yet. I'm single and it's just one person in this small apartment. I don't need a big tree. I had room for one, but I was like still thinking that all I deserved was a tiny one. And then when I realized that wasn't true, I got a big tree and it was amazing and beautiful and so symbolic of me moving into a phase of my life where my singlehood wasn't this lacking thing. It was an opportunity that I wasn't always going to have. And I started doing those solo Christmases and really leaning into them and reminding myself every year, like, and this is like my own like superstitious shit, but I was like, enjoy it. You have to enjoy it. What if this isn't what you do next year? What if you're with someone next year and they have things they like to do and you have to compromise? What? You don't realize how beautifully uncompromising singlehood is until you lose it. And I would rather us appreciate it while we have it instead of looking back on a misspent singlehood. We don't have to misspend it. We can soak it up. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was doing. And then so I had my giant white Christmas tree for years and years. And then I moved to New Orleans last summer. And when I set up the tree that year, I realized that it, it made me feel a bit sad because it was what I did in Brooklyn. It was what I did when my cat was alive and she would attack the tree and it was like her nemesis. And it was just <laughs> the cutest thing in the world. And it was getting older and it was yellowing in places and it made me kind of sad. And I realized I needed a tree to match my current mindset and my current state of where I was. So I set that tree on the curb and let it find a new family. And I purchased a giant seven foot silver tree inspired by the 1960s, inspired by Queen's Gambit, if I'm entirely honest. I feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of my personality is inspired by that film. It's covered in vintage tinsel that I found at an estate sale. It's beautiful. I love somebody finding a reference to inspire their entire life at this stage of life. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I don't, I mean, whenever, whenever and wherever, like it's just, you connect with things when you connect with them. Mm -hmm. I absolutely connect with the aesthetic and especially the music of that movie. Do you want to see the tree? Sure. There she is. Beautiful. Is the smoke? Oh, that's incense. Cool. Safe like smoke. Candles. Good to I know. Like can- <laughs> I feel like candles are a waste of money. Incense is way more return on investment for me. So I tend to do incense. Fair. I hear that. I'm just reminded of like, you know, every so often you see those TikToks where people are like, we didn't have electric growing up. And that's why when I went on a date one time and a guy lit a candle, I was like, no, no, he can't afford me. I realize I referenced it like it's a trend, but that is one specific TikTok I'm thinking of. Everyone's feelings are valid. Everyone's feelings are valid. Anyway, to get back on topic, what what were we talking about? So we were talking about Christmas. We were talking about you owning your tree, which I love. Mm -hmm. Mm. You know what I wanted to ask you about because you host a dating podcast. Have you ever discussed January as a like month of feverish activity for singles? Because when I was still focusing on on dating for myself and for other people. And it was still a topic of, of content in my work. I noticed that January was like the month 
for singles because nothing to do with cuffing season, which I think is honestly nonsense. Sorry, guys. You just come home. Oh, from I'm not saying it's not nonsense. I'm okay. just saying that it is a noted phenomenon, right? I'm not saying it's logical. I'm just saying it seems to be there enough that OKCupid okay, can track it. Okay. But no, so, I see, I, I would kind of agree with you partly for that reason, that January is kind of like cuffing season part two, where it's like, it's still cold. I didn't find someone before the quote unquote holidays. And therefore it's like, okay, well now pressure. let's get in. Well, yeah, you've maybe had questions over, over that period of time. And then you're also thinking of like February the 14th. January is the month, I think, for swiping your life away, should you feel so inclined. I think that is a huge, huge month for people trying to escape the shame that they have dealt with over the holidays, the lack that they have dealt with over the holidays. And don't forget like all the messages that you've seen. Every holiday movie has some sort of romantic or love theme. Even the fucking Grinch. There's always like some element. Even the Who's with their massive noses are figuring it out. Why can't I? I mean, the Grinch and Martha May. Like there's, there's always a romantic plot or subplot you can't escape it by the way if you can find a movie with zero love involved and deals with the holidays let me know because i'd love to see it meanwhile my favorite christmas movie is love actually let's not pretend like i don't sign myself up because i don't have a problem with single and so this shit doesn't bother me anymore but january is a month i've found where there's an abundance of swiping activity like digital dating activity because you're trying to escape shame and trying to escape further shame that you know is coming on February 14th because you, quote, have no one. And yeah, and and that's the stuff that rubs me up the wrong way, right? Because you Mm -hmm. know, I'm really into language. I know it's a dyslexia. I know it's just falling in love with the thing that I struggled with. And that's the stuff that kind of gets to me. Like I was interviewing Emma Becco the other day. And I mentioned this of like, I prefer to use like terms like untethered, you know, kind of imply like, independence in your singledom versus aloneness which is so commonly the narrative when you hold that up to scrutiny it's often not real you know like we love to say like oh the cat lady is alone she's got 17 cats she's busy a lot of mouths need feeding she's also happy but we never let her be happy she is crazy or she is most often old we, we like to make it the old crazy cat lady witch living in the woods meanwhile don't threaten me with good time like <laughs> really it's just it's so wild to me, the, the things that we assign to, to singlehood as traits, when in reality, they're so completely different. Yeah, well, if I look at my friends, like, what kind of things do I seem to correlate with singledom? Getting a promotion at work, moving house, changing a job for one you prefer more, moving city, you know, maybe even moving country. These are all things that I notice happening when, when friends of mine are single. And they're all like positive things that are good in your life. I'm not saying do it for that reason, but it also is attractive. I want you to be living a life that you enjoy. It's, it's your authenticity that attracts people to you. And I'm not just talking about potential romantic partners, I'm talking about everyone. You need to live the most authentic life for you possible, which often has a lovely side effect of being a happy one, because your authenticity is what you need to attract the right people into your life. If you are living inauthentically, if you are living a life that you have been groomed to live or that you think you're supposed to live, and someone is attracted to that, you're basically going to have to keep lying forever to keep them around. Like your authenticity is, it should feel very easy and relaxed as a method of attracting people into your world. It shouldn't feel like this 
huge lift or this huge amount of work. The, the way that I see people prescribing so much work and change as a method to find love kills me. It kills a part of me every time I see it because I know how many lonely and vulnerable people are going to do that exact thing. It's not going to work. It's not going to make their partner show up. And the person who gave that advice has zero consequences to face whatsoever, but the single person has all of them, has all of them. It is so easy and consequenceless to give dating advice. It is such a burden to take in for years and years, if not decades and decades. And we don't respect, we don't respect single people's vulnerability or their loneliness. What our perspective, right? Like it's not valid until we find a partner, then we get a perspective on the dating pool. And like to an extent, I kind of believed in that myself. I was like, I certainly have enough stories to host this podcast. I don't know if I have enough knowledge, you know, because I've been in a lot of ridiculous relationships or I'm not in one currently. It wasn't me consciously thinking that, but there was an undercurrent of, I hope I have enough that's valid to say. And just your perspective alone is actually valid. Surprise, surprise. Mm -hmm. But you're so right. There's there's so much work that goes into it. And I'm reminded of what you said with, you know, with that January phenomenon, because, you know, the only caveat I would have to what you shared there is that I think it is a time of great kind of digital activity. I don't think it's a great time of physical activity. You know, I think it's a lot of people beating themselves up, judging themselves for not having found someone for not having been picked or whatever, and therefore plowing that into spending time on apps or kind of giving chances to people that, for whatever reason, they're not with already, you know, giving people second chances that message them on New Year's Eve. And that kind of stuff is is sad, you know, because it speaks to the burden of like, it's not fun to do a lot of this stuff. It is a lot of work. And so sometimes we do choose this kind of obligation mindset of like I have to be doing something and so I guess I'll swipe away on this thing because that doesn't involve leaving the house but it I don't know who enjoys it as much as the apps are gamified the whole point of them is still to stop using them that is the lie the point is to stop using them the actual intent is for you to use them forever yeah for how they're made but in terms of why people are using them right we're not yeah we're not joining tinder to use it forever even if Correct. tinder wants that which is why it's so maddening because what else do you know of where the users and the creators of the service have such competing goals? That's why it's so maddening. And I mean, do you know of anything else that people pay this much money for consistently for this many years that they despise? Yeah, that's kind of worked into the pricing. Make this app more useful, make it more efficient, make me hate it less. That's kind of what you're paying for. Yeah, the world isn't stupid. But I like to think that if we enjoy consuming something, if we do it regularly, if we want it to be a part of our regular content consumption, we should be happy to pay for that. People should be happy to pay for the things that they regularly enjoy consuming. We all grew up with an internet that was completely free. So it trained us to think that it should be free, but it never should have been. Like you should pay for the things that you consume. Like you weren't able to just walk up to a newsstand, grab a paper and walk away. You had to pay for that. So yeah, I pay for the New York Times. I pay for podcasts that I really enjoy that are on Patreon. Like we should, we should pay for these things. If we enjoy them, I just don't understand why we continue to pay for something like digital dating that causes so much pain. Yeah. And I think that is, to me anyway, a lot of the answer of like the feeling of obligation that we should be doing something and not to kind of name names here, but there's definitely one friend of mine I'm thinking of 
who is, you know, one of these kind of serial monogamist stereotypes constantly in a relationship. And I have been genuinely baffled at times how quickly he's met someone new after a relationship ends. And oftentimes it is meeting through dating apps. And I think of the amount of time that must take is surely motivated by a level of fear or self-consciousness or some version of can I be alone that is really scary because that is encouraged for us to feel that way. I only noticed this recently. I hear less from him when he's in a relationship. I hear even less from him when he's between them. And I think it's probably because he's using his phone only for left and right. I started to feel defeated after a while just hearing this stuff. Like, because I sorry, that's okay. I just I can't fix it. I'm I'm doing everything in that I know of in my power to fix things like that to let people know they have an option in terms of their mindset. But I think talking about it is such a big help. Absolutely, like you are doing the work, and you know, just even these stories are a reminder of like this stuff doesn't make sense. We're told it enough that it can seem like it's made sense because consistency can look a lot like truth Mm -hmm. the more you hear something the more inclined you are to believe it yeah so but that's actually not real and you know the the i guess the twist of that whole story is like if you're feeling lonely you could just like text your mate back like (laughs) you know there's there are obvious answers to a lot of this stuff where like absolutely get in relationships but also we shouldn't be in relationships because it feels like how or we have a level of self-consciousness when we're not in them. Yeah, a relationship can't fill a hole that lives inside of you. That is impossible. And you will always burden your relationships if you use them to fill a hole inside of you. It's a a beautiful gift to be able to give yourself the enjoyment of being alone. Loneliness is a massive theme in singlehood, and I don't discount that. And feelings of loneliness are absolutely valid. But learning to switch from a mindset of loneliness where you think the only thing that can fill it is a romantic partner to learning to love your time alone, to sitting with it for a moment and just asking yourself, what is so bad about being here by myself? Like the temperature in the house is my temperature. The music that's on is my music. The candle I'm burning or incense in my case, it's my chosen scent. It is my chosen space and my chosen world that I've had to compromise with no one to make. Why can't it be seen for all it is instead of this one thing that it lacks? There's a, I think there's a fear of diving into our own loneliness. And mm-hmm. I think it's actually less scary when you get down there, way less scary than we've been taught to believe that it is. And there's a beautiful, beautiful peace in enjoying your time alone. And you're so much less likely to let the wrong people invade that peace if you learn to love it. Oh, it took all pandemic for me to realize, yeah. oh, actually... I don't mind being on my own nearly as, and I mean being on my own as in like totally, like just being away from all other people. And I was living with a flatmate slash ex-girlfriend of mine at the time. And, you know, there's no one else I would have wanted to live with through that. Like we were the right support system for each other. But also that was the time where I learned like, oh no, even though we're like trapped and we can't see people, somehow there's a part of me that's craving like being in my own room and not even being around her. because. There are times when we need that. And I needed a really big global event, seemingly, to tip me into actually like, hurry up and realize it. But I think this is true. It's a demonization of loneliness, which is something that comes from lack of connection. And I don't think it's ever just lack of connection of one person. You know, I've, I've not come across it where someone's had one friendship end and then they're lonely if they have loads of other good friends 
or one relationship and and they feel really lonely when you know they live with other people that are really cool or like spend loads of time with family and all encompassing loneliness cannot be created by one person as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It can if you give responsibility for your happiness to other people. If you leave whether or not you feel secure and safe and happy and loved up to other people, Mm -hmm. this problem will continue to repeat itself. Your happiness, whether you're in a relationship or not, will never be up to anyone but you. We give so much of that power to external things, not just people, but to everything, career, where we live, like money plays a huge role there. We leave our happiness up to so many things other than ourselves. We give that power away, but it it will always belong to us. We will always be in charge of how happy we are or not. And it's a choice. It's never really presented as a choice. It's presented in absolutes and binaries. And I think that keeps a lot of us sadder than we deserve to be. And I love that you're as disinterested in binary ways of thinking as I am. I'm like, I'm non-binary by mentality rather than gender orientation. It's just, it's everything. (laughs) Yeah, just entire perspective, everything except my identity, non-binary. And yeah, so on that note, we should start wrapping up because, you know, as much as we love to get together and have a bit of a rant. And I've learned a lot from your perspective. And so I'm more on board with, with the perspective than ever I have been. At the same time, we're, we're happy and confident in our perspective. And I hope that comes across too. Because you've been grinning at me this whole time. <laughs> I've had a lovely time. I always have a lovely time speaking with you. It's really, it's really nice to have a conversation where I don't feel, I just, I never feel like we're even recording really you know what I mean it's it's, could you imagine if I looked over and I was like funny you say that I didn't press a button (laughs) you know how like when you're interviewing a guest and you turn off the recording and then you have additional conversations either before or after the recording when we speak it's the same yeah it's true it's very true I do love it though it's like it's a great way for me to socialize and I think part of it I've I it took me a while to realize like there's nothing like hosting your own podcast to just make your own safe space, right? That That's yeah. never why I went into it, but that has been a lovely payoff. I joke about it sometimes of like, I can come into the Zoom whatever way. If I'm hyper, if I'm in a mood, if I'm wearing makeup, if I'm wearing a, a beanie and I'm yet indoors, like anything makes sense because usually I'm interviewing a guest where we're new to each other. We've only spoken on email. And so it's fun to be like, within this box of the Zoom, whatever reality I create today is the truth. 
is the yes. only truth you know. Yeah, you're in charge. It's you're absolutely fun. in charge. This is how I make friends. Are you kidding? This is like podcasting is literally one of my favorite avenues to like making new friends. I'm glad it's not just me. <laughs> no, it's not just you. Oh God, no. The only time it's kind of been turned on me was I interviewed Bob the Drag Queen. You know him? You act. Oh my God, what I wouldn't give. What I wouldn't give. I fucking love Bob the Drag Queen. I love Bob. And I think it'll be a once off because I, I think they're such an incredible performer and I love that conversation. And I just want it to be sealed off as this thing, right? Just like before I ruin my idea of this person I look up to, we'll just, we'll take the win and we'll, we'll leave it at that. And I've really had never had a guest who's asked me possibly more questions than I've asked them. Like Bob has host energy, whatever role they're playing that day. It was interesting. I think it worked out as a great interview, but it was one at the time where I'm like, I, I'm not sure if we've covered anything because I feel like I've been just trying to like fend off questions myself and trying to give short answers, right? Because I don't want to like go on to the listeners about things they already know, like my relationship right. status and other things that Bob would be asking. And, you know, one thing that happened at the end of the episode, which I felt uneasy about was Bob kind of turned to me and was like, so like, you don't sound Irish. What's that about? Or something like similar kind of directness of tone. And it was so unexpected, just as we were wrapping up the episode, I didn't even have a response for it. Whereas normally I would because, you know, living in Ireland and being Irish, but sounding like this sometimes does create questions. And, you know, I left it in because I was like, well, no, that is a reality. Like people do want you to fit into a singular box a lot of the time. And a lot of my work doesn't do that you know a lot of people get confused even me having two podcasts on different themes they're like no that's that's not the rules you're allowed one area of interest you're not allowed any intersectionalities unless they're your own in hindsight maybe I should have been like oh well Bob like I remember listening to your podcast and you talking about how wild it is when you know you'll speak to someone on the phone and they'll you'll meet them later and they'll say oh you didn't sound black on the phone you know because that's an experience he's talked about where the voice doesn't always match elements of your identity it's only one indicator in a way that you get to know me a bit better and you're like oh yeah 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 I, I see the perspective it's important that I know you're Irish because that's how a lot of your perspective on the world makes sense a lot of your cultural background a lot of how your family behaves that kind of stuff so yeah I felt like sharing that because I've not talked about it and yet it did happen on the pod I think that's a really cool a really cool moment to talk about I also feel incredibly privilege because I, I know in my ears so many variations of Irish accent because my dearest friends in the world are from Ireland, but different parts of it. And I also think that we don't, I don't well, know that any... I had, I had Steve Cummings on the pod. I interviewed him yesterday and he said, I have a mix. He was like, my accent is 50%. He was like, you don't sound like the Isle of Man, but that's where you sound in terms of like approximate location of where your accent is between. And take that, Bob. Steve is also Irish. <laughs> I love variety. I love the. I love the unique. I, I love the the locally unique sounds of accents, but I also love how much more unique things can get when you live away from where you were born and have like influences in your life that affect your accent. I think that's fascinating. I'm, I love. I love all of this. I also really love when I'm from Texas and the variety in Texas accents is wild i i wild. it's not something i would have guessed from your accent i knew right. it but i never would have guessed it yeah exactly but i can hear 
an accent from my exact region of Texas at 50 paces. I know exactly where you came from. There are certain words that you would use that would indicate to me that you were from my part of Texas, but also that I can hear it. And I'm like, oh my God, you're from North Texas, aren't you? Wait, are you from, are you from Dallas? Are you from Arlington? I know like, I, yeah, I can that. get that deep with it and it just delights me. It's so it. fascinating to me. Surprise. It's great. It's great. And I can go real meta with it. I was on the phone to a mate of mine, Nina, who I think I mentioned earlier, and we were chatting this morning and because I watched, no, I'm not even going to justify it, but this is the series of events. I went to see Trixie and Katia live on Sunday and it was their last show of the European tour. And because this isn't going to be on the internet, Katia said that Dublin was the best date of the whole of the European tour. So maybe she says that everywhere, but I will refuse to believe it. I am obsessed with those two. Well, so here's the thing. I was feeding my obsession in anticipation of going to see the show and just watching and listening to the podcast back. I literally, I like found an episode of the podcast where they were talking about the tour. I was like, I'm listening to this one again. And I was speaking to Nina this morning and I realized I was phrasing my humor like they would. <laughs> oh dear. It's such a pair. That I'm too far gone. We should all be able I'm to. I'm going to just start saying like bones that. sticking out and people have no idea what I'm on about. <laughs> and I love that. I want to see them. This is why I've talked about it on the pod before. I can't trust myself to interview Trixie. I'm too obsessed. I don't think we could allow it. Can you imagine? I like to think that I. I think I would just okay. be performing her to her. Right. Yeah, you interview oh, her. Yeah, I, I can sit in the Zoom and just be on mute and scream. <laughs> <laughs> You'll just, you'll just look at me in the corner and I'm just silently like. <laughs> I can't even imagine. That would be, that would be a time. That we need to, we need to wrap up this episode because I'm, I'm interviewing Eureka O'Hara after this. Talking of drag queens. Let's, let's get to our rules of the game. So, but no, it's nice. We're getting a bonus length episode for Christmas. This was definitely planned, right? This was, it. it's not Absolutely, just 100%. that we can talk forever. So yes. rules of the game. No, we don't do that because you're a returning guest. We throw something in the bin. So what thing of dating would you like to see go in the bin? And I'm going to do one first because I'm stealing one of yours before you have the chance to use this one. Go ahead. The vilification of single women. I know it's something you talk about. My, my aunt has talked about this a lot because she has like a friend group in Edinburgh and it's very like she's retired. So it's something to do with Edinburgh crossed with that age group where it's a lot of dinner parties and everything's very sweet but an underlayer kind of politicalness and she's fought hard to be a woman that is often in relationships but also often single and that doesn't affect whether or not she gets invited to things i think from the stories i hear from her she's the only one of her friends that's a woman that gets invited to things if they're single at the time because there is this thing of, well, will they steal someone's man? And of course, that's bullshit as a mentality. Also, I'm very much of the combative sense of mind where if he can be stolen, you can have him. Yes. I mean, the layers to heterosexual bullshit. <laughs> like, are we, are we sad and pathetic on the couch crying into a pint of ice cream? Or are we a temptress threatening to steal your husband? Make a decision. Make a decision. Because we can't be both. I'm not going to sit here and allow us to be, I'm not going to sit here and allow us to be either, quite frankly. But like, no, that one, that one, that one's a, a beautiful one. Thank you for using that one. I have others, believe me. Okay, well, 
yeah, go. What what else are we throwing in the bin today? I will throw in the bin paying or dating coaching. There are massive, massive dollar amounts being spent on dating coaching packages. It's like the, it's just as a career, it's just, it's off the rails at the moment, but it's. I mean, America is, is the capital for that pseudoscience. It's just, it's wild and unregulated, whatever. You never need to pay someone money to tell you how to date better. I also really don't like that dating coaches do not promise anything, right? Like you could give them five grand and many people often do and end up the exact same amount of single on the other side, the exact same amount of single a year later, two years later, it doesn't matter. They never have to deliver anything on that money. All they have to deliver is what they outline in the package, which is these coaching sessions and these journal prompts and whatever it is. They never have to deliver your partner ever. And they never have to give you your money back ever. And what I would like us to realize is that dating is not a skill set. It really isn't. Finding love is not a skill set. It really isn't. So I'd like to know how somebody thinks they can be taught how to be better at fate or be taught how to be better at timing or to be taught how to be in the right place at the right time to meet their partner. I just don't, I don't like people making piles of money off of the vulnerability of singles, specifically off of the vulnerability of single women. That's what can get in the bin. Fair. Love it. I, it's interesting. My perspective is a little different on this. And yet I don't disagree with it. And I think the industry is kind of showing that you're right all by itself. Because what I'm seeing, because I do get to interview dating coaches, you know, as one of the groups of people here on the pod. And increasingly a trend I'm noticing is that that kind of work is going more and more towards working on yourself and recommending people go to therapy and encouraging people to have boundaries and encouraging people to not put up with horrible dating experiences or give chances to the wrong person. And so I think in that, a lot of it is showing it to be true where to have healthier relationships, there are no guarantees. There is no kind of perfect strategy but there are ways in which we can, <laughs> your face, but there are ways in which we can stop letting the wrong kind of people in. There are ways in which we can unpick the mentality that that person's going to equal our happiness. There's ways in which your work kind of crosses over of like, you shouldn't be feeling shame and that you're inferior for being single. There's a lot of these things that we need to unpick in ourselves. And I think it kind of partly proves what you're saying, that more and more dating coaching is going towards Work on yourselves because that's far more surefire than any kind of special strategy to trap somebody else. Funny you use the word trap because <laughs> what you just described, the kind of coaching you just described has nothing at all to do with dating. It's relationship coaching. It's self-esteem and self-confidence and self-worth coaching. But it is under the umbrella of dating coaching because that's who's going to spend the money. It's still, it's still preying on the vulnerability of single women. That's what it's doing. If you want to encourage someone to be better at setting boundaries or encourage somebody to seek professional mental health care and therapy, to come from a dating coach says to me that the motivation behind all of this is find someone. And there's nothing about anything that you just described that needs to be so connected to finding someone because all of those things are wonderful for the individual. They never have to be used as a setup for 
finding love or finding partnership. There's so much that you just described that deals with relationship coaching and how we show up in relationships. I think relationship therapy is a beautiful thing, but I don't like, I don't like using dating coaching because I think you're scooping up people who are desperate for romantic love, desperate for partnership, desperate to stop being single. And I think they will pay you anything. And I do not like that happening on my watch. I really don't because there are countless reasons to do self-work and growth work and to spend time and care with your mental health and all kinds of health. But when you put it under a dating coaching umbrella, I know exactly who you're talking to and why. I see through it. I will keep talking about it on the internet because I do not want people making money off of other people's vulnerability ever. That can still get in the bin. Love you, but that can still get in the bin. <laughs> I don't disagree with you. I think, you know, we just don't even think our perspectives are so different on it. I, I hear what you're saying, but I think we're on the same page for the majority of this stuff, right? Yeah. And it's tricky, right? Because I also have that mental health background and I'm kind of, my mentality, I'll say it all the time, is like, get people to therapy. I don't care what excuse they use. If they have to justify like, I'm going to therapy because of someone else or because I'm trying to find someone. If you get in the therapy and you find the right kind of therapeutic match, it's going to help you. So there's a lot of this stuff that I think I have a, a bias sympathy towards in terms of I'm very for people working on themselves. And I hear you that that shouldn't be sold via the lens of you're inferior unless you work on your relationship skills because you are better if you're in a relationship. But then also that mentality is so prevalent that until the mentality goes, there's always going to be customers for that, right? Do you see what I mean? Mm. <laughs> It's it's tricky. I'm not saying I have all the answers and neither of us do. Yeah. It's what a time. What Merry Christmas. <laughs> Welcome to the Christmas episode. Happy holidays. <laughs> Happy New Year. Let's start wrapping up then. Is there is there anything else in my notes that we haven't covered? I have something big to ask you about behind the paywall bit, actually. We'll get into that. For now though, the summary is dating makes no sense. <laughs> so try and be happy, try and find the humor in it. I certainly do. And if you want to be single for any period of time, just do it. It doesn't have to be a caveat. You don't have to be thinking, okay, well, I can't be single for too long because the world will end. And uh, yeah. And if you want to pay for a dating coach, go listen to them on a free podcast before giving them a penny of your money. Go. <laughs> if you feel that is the way, Damona Hoffman has hundreds of episodes that you can consume for free. Yes, she does. And right. you, can, you can also ask dating coaches if they'll give you your money back if you're still single in a year. Try that. See how it goes. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's a good one. Love that. That could be a rule of the game right there. For now, though, thank you so much. If people want to find your work, where do they go? Shaney Silver is a very Googleable name. You can go to my website. You can also go to my Patreon, which is where my podcast lives. I publish an episode every Monday morning. And you can check out my book, A Single Revolution. It is on Amazon all over the world. So wherever you live, you can buy it. You can pay Jeff Bezos for it. Nice. <laughs> Talking of not having all the answers. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For the full experience, you can join our subscription on Apple Podcasts to access extended ad-free episodes. Our show is edited and produced by Pete Murta. The music is Digital Damage by me, Emma Becker. We're proud to be an independent production. And leaving a quick review is another way to support the show. Speak to you next Friday. Until then, good, good luck, luck out, out there. there.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 